The Paul Kaharski Podcast is brought to you by the Yazoo Brewing Company, celebrating 15 years of beer in Nashville, Tennessee. Live from the home office in Brentwood, Tennessee, this is Paul Kuharski with the Paul Kuharski Podcast. I am a Nashville-based sports writer and radio host covering the Tennessee Titans uh, since they were the Houston Oilers. Uh, covered there last year in Houston in 1996, moved up with them. Um, to Nashville, covered the Tennessee Oilers, and then the Tennessee Titans have been around this team longer uh, than anyone, know it inside and out, know all the people with the franchise, uh, and can give you insights you can't get anywhere else, uh, Which many of which you can also hear on the Midday 180 in Nashville on 104.5 The Zone, a podcast brought to you by Yazoo Brewing Company. Delicious uh, Nashville beer. They've got uh, a variety that suits everybody's taste. I'm partial to the Hefeweizen. Uh, I encourage you, if you're in or around Middle Tennessee, to uh, get you some uh, from the beer cooler at, uh, at your local store or uh, on, on tap uh, at your favorite restaurant or bar next time you're out having something to drink. They've been great uh, partners for paulkoharski.com. We're very grateful for their involvement, and uh, and we know that you guys uh, will will drink them on our behalf and spread spread the word. So uh, our thanks to them. I have uh, a lot of pint glasses with their logo and my logo on it that I've uh, got to find a way to get some of those in the hands of some of you who are listening to these broadcasts and uh, and reading everything at paulkuherski.com. So onward. Just wanted to run through a couple things uh, this week, uh, and I thought we'd start with a couple pieces I wrote. Mike Vrabel says, I don't know as a coach if I'll ever be truly confident. Um, I don't know exactly how fans are, are feeling about that. It, there was more to the context of it. Um, certainly, he, he was. Kind of, this was at the end of, of the minicamp practices uh, a week ago, where you know he was asked if he was confident in the team, and if that was part of why he gave uh, gave the team the last day off from practice when they went to the uh, Metro Nashville Police Department training headquarters for uh, gun safety talk and, uh, and to shoot at the range. Um, and he said, "I don't know as a coach if I'll ever be truly confident." I have confidence in all our players on the roster right now, but I don't know if that's something you would always say as a head coach, that you're just going to be confident that we're going to roll out there and win a game. And I think, uh, I mean, I don't think that's surprising to any degree. I think he's a very confident guy with a great degree of swagger. Um, But I think, you know, coaches are a nervous breed, um, you know, and when they wrap things up, uh, on Friday of a game week, uh, you know, they're still going to bed. Uh, they're still going home on Friday late afternoon thinking about what they might have missed. They're still uh, at walkthrough on Saturday, you know, maybe tweaking something. They're still at the team meeting on uh, Saturday night thinking of something, always wondering if they've covered all the bases, what could come up here that we didn't cover, um, kind of uh, – paranoid it kind of strikes me logan ryan was on the midday 180 on thursday uh sat with jonathan hutton and i for two hours and he talked about uh the training he's doing you know now in the six weeks of of downtime currently training with kevin byard and said it's kind of a paranoia thing like he doesn't they don't know what any other defensive backs with any other teams are doing but they know what they're doing 
um, and it kind of is insurance against what anybody else is doing. And I think coaching is a lot like that. There's a certain paranoia regarding what other people are doing, and you want to be sure that you're matching up uh, with that or covering all your bases. And so I, I think that's what Vrabel was kind of getting at there. Um, and, you know, maybe he will be uh, more confident at, at some point where he says that in a more forward way. But I, I wouldn't take anything bad from it at all. Um, I thought it was a rather interesting point he made. Another thing uh, I've looked at this week is, is the Titans' multiple tight end sets. You know, the Titans, we know, are uh, determined under Mike Vrabel to play um, in a way that reflects uh, matchups and to be ready to respond to matchups. And that may mean more Derrick Henry in this game and less Deion Lewis and vice versa next weekend. Um, But this was a team that played, you know, a base two tight end formation uh, personnel set and, and played the most three tight end in the league last year. Matt LaFleur is coming from the Rams who played the most three wides last year. And I don't think the Titans are going to be able to transform from one to the other in the span of, of one season without any major additions at wide receiver. Um, you know, I think a lot of it will key on just how good Johnny Smith is. Um, and, and, you know, if, if you're better off having Delaney Walker and Johnny Smith on the field um, together at the expense of whoever that third wide receiver may be, uh, Taewon Taylor or Tajay Sharp or, uh, you know, maybe Michael Campanero and given sets. But um, Arthur Smith, the tight ends coach, uh, told me, you know, that that uh, he wouldn't be so quick to, to eliminate the Titans as a multiple tight end team. Uh, and that if you looked at the Eagles and the, and the Patriots last year, very effective offenses um, that ran plenty of three wide, um, they ran plenty of two and even three tight end sets to set things up. Um, so I, I do think if that's the best thing the Titans have going for them in certain circumstances, particularly in certain matchups against certain defenses, um, and if somebody is matching Delaney Walker and, uh, and demanding to be on the field, um, you know, if Johnny Smith is, uh, is a better pass catching option or a better fit for a scheme on a Sunday, then the third wide may be, uh, you know, I don't think the Titans are going to force the third wide. And we, we've been talking a little bit about Tajay Sharp and how he fits into this offense, which is really a question mark. Uh, you know, he's more of a strider. You don't really think of him as a yards after catch guy. You think of him as a precise route runner, uh, which is a good thing. But this is kind of a yards after the catch offense. So he's a guy to keep an eye on who's going to be, I think, emblematic of uh, certain developments um, with with how the Titans operate. And um, so we shall uh, – I mean, that's all going to be developing story. Um, that's for sure. I had somebody in, uh, in my All-22 ask me to uh, go through the road schedule and a rank maybe if you were going to make one road trip uh, where you should go. And I thought that would be an interesting exercise. So um, let's dive into that. We'll run through first just the uh, road schedule. Uh, Titans are at the Dolphins on September 9th. They're at the Jaguars on September 23rd. They're at the Bills October 7th. Next team is uh, the San Diego Chargers. That's a road game. 
but it is not in San Diego. Uh, also, because the Chargers are no longer in San Diego. They're now in Los Angeles. I still slip and make that mistake, as many people do. But this isn't in San Diego or in Los Angeles. It's in London, um, and that's on October 21st. Titans then play November 5th, Monday Night Football at Dallas. Um, they play uh, November 18th at the Indianapolis Colts. They play November 26th, another Monday night game, at the Houston Texans. And they play at the New York Giants on December 16th. I'm going to tell you, I mean, if you could only go to one game here and you build a road trip around it, the place to go is London, obviously. A once-in-a-lifetime chance to see your team play, play a meaningful non-exhibition game at Wembley Stadium uh, and to uh, experience London. Uh, I've been before, but uh, I'm very excited to go again. I'm hoping to go to see Chelsea uh, and Manchester United the uh, evening before the uh, or the day before the Titans-Chargers game, and that'll be a very cool trip. Um, this road schedule is not great other than that. Um, Miami, uh, you know, it's a good place to see a game. Hard Rock, uh, Hard Rock Stadium is is very cool, revamped, um, and the beaches are nice. But uh, it's very spread out, hard to get around down there. Jacksonville Stadium is underrated, but the city is nothing to speak of. Jacksonville Beach is pretty nice. Uh, I would think it'd be pretty nice on September 23rd. Lynch's Irish Pub is a great place to hang out there, but uh, I wouldn't put it top of your list. Buffalo, I'm not putting top of your list. Uh, Cowboys game on the road, pretty fun. AT&T Stadium is a very, very cool venue. Uh, but Dallas is spread out, and it's hard to figure where exactly to, to be out and about there to me as well. Uh, feel similarly about Houston. Indianapolis is a great town to, to go see a game in because the footprint of everything downtown is all very close. The stadium, the field house, the JW Marriott kind of triangulate downtown. Um, and it's a fun place to hang out and kind of run into other fans and everything. But if you're going to one game on this road schedule, uh, I'd go see the Titans Giants game on December 16th. You could spend a little time in Manhattan, uh, you know, uh, go see the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center, do some, some Christmas shopping, uh, bring an empty suitcase with you as an extra, take it back full with gifts and, uh, MetLife Stadium is a pretty cool building. Uh, you know, you can just hop across the George Washington Bridge uh, or through the Lincoln Tunnel and uh, be there. And that's the Titans' last road game of the season before home game against Washington and the home finale against the Colts. So uh, that's my assessment of the road schedule. It's not the greatest. If you look at the teams the Titans are playing at home outside their division, the Eagles, Philadelphia would be a great road trip. Uh, Baltimore, it's coming to Nashville. I love Baltimore. It's a fun city to visit. Uh, also a lot going on in a uh, relatively small place. New England, obviously a lot of history to go up to uh, Gillette Stadium where uh, I know a lot of you took the road trip last year for the playoff game and were disappointed. Jets were double covered on since the Giants are playing here. Uh, Washington playing here and obviously a, a great town to visit. The stadium's not anything special and it's not close to other stuff, but uh, it would have been a better schedule for road trips had had it been flipped, but that is not the way things work. Um, I want to talk a little bit about something else that, that uh, my All-22 has been discussing, 
and that is the necessity of a um, number one receiver. Uh, and Catfish Jake calls it the most overrated designation in football. And I tend to think that's um, pretty pretty true because a number one receiver uh, means different things to different people. Now, for a lot of people, it means the receiver who's the number one target for the team, going to get the most targets, uh, the most dangerous guy. To me, it means a guy who dictates coverage, and so he's got to be fast. And there are a lot of very good receivers in the NFL who are not incredibly fast. Um, and it's interesting to point out that there have not been that many uh a great wide receivers on recent Super Bowl champions. Uh, now, Antonio Brown is a, clearly the best wide receiver in the league, very much a number one. Odell Beckham Jr., Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, those guys are all clear. A.J. Green, to me. Uh, you know, is Michael Thomas qualify? Is Keenan Allen qualified? Devontae Adams, Larry Fitzgerald? Nah. Not quite above that line for me. T.Y. Hilton can be. Mike Evans can be. Uh, this list my guys put together. You know, Doug Baldwin's not. Uh, he's not a number one anywhere you drop him. Demarius Thomas, I think his best days are behind him. Uh, Jarvis Landry, a lot of it depends on his offense. Um, Brandon Cooks had a chance to really emerge in that way last year in New England and didn't. Sammy Watkins uh, just changed teams. Tyreek Hill is still kind of a gadget guy to me. Um, the Titans have not ever really had a clear-cut number one wide receiver. And uh, a lot of people have, have always thought that they could never win because of that. I, I think you can win without one. Alshon Jeffrey is a very good wide receiver. I don't know that he's changing defensive game plans, generally speaking. Um, Derek Mason's the best wide receiver the Titans ever had production wise, a very good player, uh, and a very dangerous return man as well, but he didn't dictate coverages. He didn't demand double teams. He didn't demand the best cornerback on the other team and things like that. And the Titans don't have a clear cut number one. Now, you know, you would hope that Corey Davis would emerge, but Corey Davis the, at his best is not necessarily going to give you the blazing speed that takes the top off a of defense on a regular basis. Now he can go up and take the ball away from people. Um, he could run people over. He could run away from certain people. But uh, kind of the theme of this conversation that we were having amongst ourselves in this uh, group text that we have is that there is no, um, you do not have to have, you do not have to have a clear cut number one guy that fits all of these different definitions in order to succeed. Uh, and in fact, the list of those number one guys with Super Bowl rings from recent past um, is small. And, uh, you know, so maybe that means that if, uh, if Rashard Matthews is playing his role, and if Corey Davis is starting to reach his potential, and if Taewon Taylor is starting to be what John Robinson envisioned him to be, when the Titans spent a third rounder on him, that those guys in combination with Delaney Walker and with Deion Lewis can be enough um, for the Titans to have a Super Bowl caliber offense. If Marcus Mariota is playing well, if he's being protected well, if the run game is good enough, if the defense is good enough, if the special teams are good enough, 
Um, and it's hard to find those number one guys. Uh, you know, everybody would love to have Antonio Brown or Julio Jones, uh, but there are a lot of teams that don't. And it doesn't prohibit them from uh, being competitive uh, or winning. Uh, I wanted to pass along that my dog, Finley, is apparently fine after eating a small chocolate chip muffin that was stolen from Simon Kuharski on Thursday morning. It seems a bit of, of milk chocolate does not uh, have that ill of an effect on a uh, mutt who's predominantly beagle. There's a little panic in my house predominantly from the eight-year-old in my house who both lost his muffin and thought that he might have killed his puppy. Uh, but I know many of you will be relieved to learn that all is fine. Um, so thanks to all of you who expressed your concern. And also thanks to all of you that, uh, that sided with me correctly um, on the trial that we had on Midday 180, uh, where I was accused and uh, prosecuted for having a burner account. Uh, Jonathan Hutton was my defense attorney. Uh, Tony Reed, the guy who owns the account that was accused of being a burner account, is a uh, very, very big fan of mine and my work, and I'm most appreciative for that. But I do think uh, the idea of a reporter um, having a burner account to tout his own work is, is would be unethical journalism. And it bothered me that uh, anybody would seriously think that I would do that. I did not uh, do that. And Judge Ash, who uh, the Midday 180 recruited, if you haven't heard this, you need to go on the Midday 180's Twitter timeline and, and find this or go to midday180.com and look at uh, our broadcasts that are available there. It's a brilliant bit of radio that we got a lot of co compliments on. Funny, but also serious, and uh, I take it seriously that I was exonerated. Had I been found guilty, uh, I would not have accepted that that rendering of, by Judge Ash, and uh, all would have been lost. So uh, thankfully, thankfully, this is behind all of us, and we can move on and move ahead. World Cup. I think you should be rooting for England and Belgium, though they are in the same group, which complicates things. It's also the third game is the head-to-head, -head, and it might not matter um, except for who's first and who's second in the group. Um, but advancing, uh, they could have secured the first and second spots in, in that group moving ahead. Belgium uh, I like a lot just because this generation of, of players is the best that they've ever put out. It feels like their time uh, is now or never in a lot of ways. It'll be a long time before they have a generation like this again. And England, look, I'm familiar with a lot of those guys from the, from the Premier League. And um, it's just hard not to uh, like a lot of English football fans, like Rebecca Lowe, who was a guest of the, uh, the Midday 180 recently talking about the World Cup. It's been a, a disappointment for Fox, the way they broadcast this thing. I've not seen too many broadcasts start to finish. I haven't heard very good reviews of the broadcasts themselves, though the ones I've seen have been fine. But their late-night show, or the show that runs late at night, which is a repeat, is, uh, is terrible, the highlight show. Uh, El Presidente Fiore, who uh, is the host, is, is a clown. Uh, it's terrible. And they don't show enough highlights. They're showing you about 90 seconds a game. They paid $425 million for two World Cups. I understand the United States didn't qualify for this one, and it kind of screwed Fox. 
But you've got access, exclusive access to uh, these highlights, this game tape, and you're not showing me any of it. It's really, really a stupid decision. And I should be a uh, large-scale TV producer who knows how to use product um, better than it's being used by Fox. It's really pissing me off. Uh, maybe they've done U.S. soccer a favor because my – contempt for u.s soccer's failure to qualify for this world cup is being displaced a little bit onto fox for the way that they are broadcasting um usually this podcast is split into pieces where uh i do 10 or 15 minutes and uh and then give you an advertisement for paulkuharski.com and then fast forward to uh members only second half or second two-thirds second, third, and third, third, we should say. Um, but this week, it's all one deal. Uh, I encourage you, if you're not a member of paulkuharski.com, to check it out. If, if you become a member, you can go back right away and listen to an hour-long podca- podcast from a few weeks ago where I sat down with Mike Rabel and his high school football coach and talked about what made right, Mike, Mike Rabel, Mike Rabel, Madison Blevins was with me for that one. Uh, you can go back and look at a private Periscope slash Facebook Live where I sat down for an hour over cocktails with John Robinson and talked about all sorts of things from a front office perspective. Uh, I've got at least one player lined up to join me for an upcoming podcast, uh, and I'm seeking more. And uh, again, these guys in the locker room um, know me, trust me for the most part. Uh, certainly the ones that you would want to trust you. John Robinson and Mike Vrabel um, trust me. I think they talk to me in a way that's different than the way they talk generally to the masses. And uh, I assure you, uh, as the season nears and then as training camp starts, you're going to get uh, insight and analysis uh, and a lot of exciting stuff at paulkuharski.com that will really be worth your while and is worth a lot more than five ninety nine a month. So I hope you'll uh, you'll consider it. I hope this helped you get through a workout or a commute or whatever it is you're doing. Spread the word, if you will. Hit me up for one of those uh, Yazoo slash paulkowarski.com uh, pint glasses if we run into some each other somewhere. And uh, remember, Yazoo uh, Brew, the sponsor of the paulkowarski.com podcast. Uh, great beer in and around Nashville. Something for everybody. Um, and uh, Nashville made much like uh, this website and this podcast. Uh, I appreciate you listening and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Stay tuned to the midday 180 on 1045 the zone in Nashville and uh, be sure to check what's going on at paulkuharski.com. Thanks very much. The Paul Kuharski podcast is a joint production of paulkuharski.com and vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-Now.com.